Hello, and welcome to Healing Voices. This is a new podcast all about holistic approaches to health and well-being. My name is Jamie Griffiths. I'm a massage therapist living and working in Hackney, East London. I'm new to the world of holistic, alternative and complementary therapies. I only trained as a massage therapist last year. So I'm inviting you to join me on a journey to learn more about the kind of therapies that are available, to meet some of the practitioners operating in the world of holistic health, and to think about questions like, what is health? Why do people get ill? And how do people heal? You're about to hear a conversation that I recorded with Tara Ribeiro-Zea on 20th of May, 2022. Now, Tara is a very experienced acupuncturist. She is also the owner and founder of Healing Space on Chatsworth Road in Clapton in Hackney, where she's assembled a team of therapists delivering a huge range of healing practices. So our conversation is fairly wide ranging and covers topics like acupuncture and chi, tuina massage, starting a clinic during the COVID shutdowns, the different approaches of Western and Chinese medicine, hip replacement surgery, supporting fertility and pregnancy, placenta encapsulation, and building a community of well-being practitioners. Now I have to warn you in advance that the sound quality is not fantastic. I've recorded it on my phone as I'm recording this intro. Uh, also, my interviewing technique isn't brilliant. There's lots of mumbling, lots of stuttering, lots of trailing off in the middle of sentences. Please be assured that if there are more episodes of this podcast, then both of those things will be remedied. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Tara Rivero Zaya. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, I won't do too much introduction. I'll let you tell your own story. But um, yeah, you have had your own health issues recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. What's going on for you, Tara? Um, yes, so I am an acupuncturist and a massage therapist and I've been qualified for 12 years and I mainly work in the area of women's health so my passion is really like fertility, pregnancy and all things of women's health related so people who are not having periods, people with PCOS, um, menopause, all of that so that's my main client group but yes you're quite right, um, I've just recently had, um, only three weeks ago, just had a second hip replacement so... Oh, yeah. it was your second hit of this month? My second one, yeah. I didn't realise that. Mm, yes, yeah, yes. So yeah. when was the first one? The first one was about three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And so how many weeks ago did have you had your... Three weeks three ago. Three weeks? Yeah. And it's, but recovery is going well? It's going really well, yes. And what does it involve, uh, like the hip replacements? Um, they basically replace the whole hip and ball. It was a complete total hip replacement. So I was born with... Um, 
what's called a cam impingement. So I had extra bone growth on each side of my hip and I had a very, very active uh, lifestyle for many years. I used to exercise a lot, but I did used to party quite a lot as well. And then I've had four children, so I'm sure that didn't help carrying them all around. So basically I've just um, worn it down. So I was even training for the Hackney Half Marathon when I got diagnosed and I was thinking, why can't I run? You know, but I was actually trying to run 30k at that point. So um yeah, then I realised that, uh, yes, I had a chronic arthritis and needed a hip replacement, so I did have to stop. Right. <laughs> stop okay. with the running. So they just replace, they they just actually give you this titanium mm-hmm. hip and ball um, joint, and then they just kind of, because um, it was bone on bone, so it was yeah. touching and it was very painful, and you could hear it clicking and things like that. It was, you know, pretty limited mobility, a lot of pain. Um, pain at night, difficulty sleeping and all of that sort of stuff, limping, which I'm not doing now, which is really great. And um, yes, yeah, so it's just a complete hip replacement. They just replace replace the whole joints. So I'm, I'm like a bionic woman now. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Living tall buildings. And well, not like quite that. yet, yeah. but yeah, give me a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, so I, I guess you've, yeah, you've, you had to take a bit of time off from healing space. Yes, yeah. Um, which is... Uh, kind of a, it's a new business really isn't it yes it's only a year old yeah and how did you end up in this world and what was the story of the genesis of healing space? yes so I think I always knew that I, I, I've always been quite a caring person and sort of drawn to those kind of um, roles so before my previous career I used to work um, for a charity for people with learning disabilities and I got quite high up in that charity so I started off working at a support level and then I sort of became a project manager and I was managing loads of projects, loads of staff teams and the further up you go, um, the less you have to do with the actual service users and the day-to-day one-to-one support and I realised that that wasn't really the direction that I wanted to continue in so I retrained as an acupuncturist. I knew I wanted to start a family and I thought if I don't do it now I'll never do it. Once I've had children it'll be so much harder so I retrained in to started retraining in two thousand and seven, yeah, and then I got pregnant in the first year. So I was, I've had all my babies. So it actually took me five years to qualify because I had two, my two eldest children in that time, um, and I did tween arm massage as well. And I think maybe because I was pregnant or trying to get pregnant for a lot of my studies, I think that sort of sparked my interest in the kind of female female health aspect um, and then so I had two young children then I've, I've actually got two I've got four children all together so I was having more babies so I was working in another clinic um, in different clinics I had a mobile business set up as my it's very flexible you know this job you can kind of do the hours that you want you're working for yourself all this sort of stuff which is really great which I hadn't kind of anticipated I really just was really interested in Holistic therapies have always been very into like nutrition and sort of, you know, having a healthy lifestyle. Um, So it was just kind of a natural extension of that, really. And then so I was working in two different clinics and doing mobile treatments. But it had always really been my dream to set up my own clinic. Um, And then again, I think I just sort of thought, okay, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it, which is what I thought about starting the course in the in the first place. And I think anytime you do something new, I mean, you must know if you're training for your massage course, there's always a moment of doubt just before you take the leap. I think that's the bit where yeah. you, all your sort of saboteur comes in. Yeah. And, you know, all of that is not going to work. It's going to, but I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen if it doesn't work? You just you do something different. So um, then we had COVID. So I was actually 
trying to open before COVID and then obviously everything was on pause for everybody but um I still wanted to go ahead and then I felt that people because of COVID people were actually focusing more on their inner landscape and I felt that from the treatments I was doing mobile treatments during that time when I was allowed to work um, and I just felt that people were having more emphasis on health and well-being and people were sort of realising that actually you know we were living these crazy lifestyles rushing around everywhere and actually you know what matters is actually feeling well and I think people because all of that stopped I think it made people have massive realisations about the pace that they were living at and the pace of their life. So we opened here in March um, last year and um, it was right in the middle of Covid still, there was still a lockdown so some people were allowed to work. I was allowed to work because acupuncture counted as medical um, but some massage therapists weren't allowed to work, Reiki practitioners weren't allowed to work, some of the other people were not allowed to work. So in the beginning it was actually just me here. And I was swamped. Like I was working five days a week. I could have worked seven right, days okay. a week because there were just the amount of people coming in. So people were coming with, yes, fertility issues, my main client group and pregnancy. But also I was seeing so much stress, anxiety, insomnia. I mean, the mental health aspect of what we've all been through, you know, was massive. And loads of people physically grinding teeth was a massive one. Right. Jaws, shoulders back problems sometimes from working from home sometimes from working long hours and I remember one person I massaged her and she actually burst into tears and she said it was the first time she lived on her own the first time someone had touched her like in a whole year you know so it's just we need contact humans need contact and we need to it's been good in lots of ways but obviously it's got had a huge impact as well but I think it did make us all take stock of where we were at so um, yeah, so we opened in, in March and we were flooded with people and then um, slowly just sort of got more therapists and uh, and now it's thriving and, and really busy. So that's really great. I'm really happy to be able to help, you know, people in the local community, really. And I think it was much needed. So, yeah, well, it seems so like, uh, yeah, I would have thought to open up like a new business that relied on face to face contact like would have been, you know, bit crazy. crazy yes. <laughs> and maybe it was, but. <laughs> Like, yeah, there was obviously such a need for mm. it. So, yeah, so you've been doing, so you've been practicing for, what, two de- nearly two decades? When did you um, probably about 12, 12 years. Oh, 12 now. years. Yeah, okay. yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You, you mentioned Tweena as well. I do, Which yes. I never heard of until yeah, I started yes. working Oh, Tweena was great, yes. Yeah. So all our acupuncturists here are, are also Tweena practitioners, which I think is quite unusual, actually. Mm-hmm. So... Um, if you studied in China, if you studied acupuncture in China, that you would be doing, basically, you would be doing acupuncture, you would be doing Twina, you would also be doing herbs, and you would be doing Qigong. So those, when you study it here, it's been split up, it came, it got a bit lost in translation when it came over to England. So it came over really in the 60s by um, somebody called Worsley who brought it over from, and so obviously all the Chinese texts, which are very ancient, mm. have then had to be interpreted in English and obviously it's a very poetic medicine and sometimes, you know, different characters can represent different things. So you've just got to be a little bit careful about, you know, the interpretation, I think, sometimes. There are so many different schools of acupuncture sort. So Twina is massage, which is based along the meridians. 
So we might use it, normally you would use it with acupuncture, but it's really good for people who are scared of needles as well. So you're stimulating the channels, you're stimulating the acupuncture points, you're moving chi, you're like exiting chi, you're doing lots of things like that. So um, it's a very deep massage. It's, it's quite different to like a normal massage. Yeah, so you do lots of movement and things like that. And you might use like an acupuncture needle at the same time. If you're using like if you're working on the gallbladder channel you might put a needle in the liver liver point as well because that's the gallbladder pair for example um and then after that then i went on to learn um holistic massage deep tissue massage pregnancy massage which i do a lot um, and i've just recently completed my herbs qualification and i did a pediatric um children's acupuncture course for two years which was really great as well so yeah, but wow. still more learning, always more learning. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it seems that way, yeah. Like, I'm new to this, but it seems like you can, you know, once you get into the learning yes. about the body, and then you realise there's all these different approaches. Yes. You can just carry on going Infinitely, forever, like, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, so for list- for hypothetical listeners yes. who um, don't really know much about Chinese medicine mm-hmm. maybe and maybe this is too big a question for like yes. one episode <laughs> or to fit, fit into one episode but like what would you say are like the main differences between the western medicine approach and the, the Chinese yeah approach? that's a good question so I think um in in China um they're very integrated the west and the east so actually uh, you know saying what I've just said about acupuncturists in China actually they they train as western medical doctors as well so they are doctors of Chinese medicine and western medicine which is amazing so if you go to hospitals in China people are getting um, you know acupuncturists can order blood tests they can order scans they can order you know they do all these things and they use all of the tools at their disposal and then people might be having acupuncture there's been some really interesting studies where they've been using acupuncture instead of so much anesthesia in in surgeries and things like that so it's very very integrated there there's no split um so here i think um acupuncture i think people are becoming more aware of its benefits but some and some doctors do recommend their patients to come and see me but some doctors are still a little bit skeptical western doctors i'm talking about obviously so the main differences are that really Western medicine is sort of firefighting. So it's reactive. It's it's treating it's treating a disease or an injury or something like that. It's trying to fix things, but it's very much um sometimes they don't have the they don't have the same subtleties and the same layers that, that we do. So just to give you an example of a headache. So in Chinese medicine it's all about balance. So it's all everybody has different imbalances. So everybody is different body types, everybody likes different types of food, everybody lives their life differently. So you know you may have spent years sort of eating the wrong food, not doing enough exercise, maybe not sleeping, maybe partying too much, drinking too much, all of these sort of things are gonna affect you. So if you if you have a headache in um in western medicine people just take a paracetamol or maybe if you're having migraines you might get a specialist migraine medication you're just treating you're just reacting to what's happening whereas if you come for acupuncture for the same headache and the same migraine first of all it's not the same for everybody so the person who's drinking smoking etc they've got a completely different pattern and constitution and body type and a different reason why they're having migraines whereas you know somebody who's like um maybe a new mum who's like just really worn out you know if you compare them they'd be quite different patterns so one is excess and one is deficient so the poor knackered mum is like 
she's going to be more empty. So we have like full and empty, whereas the person who's like overdoing it, eating too much rich foods, you know, they're full, it's excess. They've just got too much going on, basically. Um, so then we have all these different headache patterns, all these different migraine patterns. So you assess each person holistically. So and then what we're trying to do is actually stop them from happening in the first place. So bringing their body back into balance. So moving the chi, so treating treating them in the acute phase when they've actually got a migraine or a headache, but also um, treating them when they haven't got the migraine or the headache to bring their body back into balance so that they actually stop. So obviously, if you're, if you're suffering with something like that, obviously it's better to stop it in the first place rather than just be taking a headache pill when it happens. You know, it'd be better yeah. for actually to just get to the cause of why it has why it's not happening in the first place so and I think western medicine sometimes can mask things and um sort of cover up symptoms without getting to the root cause whereas we're more interested in what is the root imbalance in the first place so you know someone who doesn't have regular periods I see this quite a lot so women who had very um, heavy periods as a, as a young woman, maybe 14, they just got put on the pill and they might not be even using it for contraception at that age, hope not. <laughs> but, um, you know, they just and then you and then they come off the pill and then maybe their periods don't restart. And then when you're trying to ask them questions, it's like, well, what were they like? And they can't really remember because maybe they're 30 now and this right. is like going back 16 years you know, but it's basically, it's okay, we'll just put you on the pill and that will stop your symptoms. But actually then what's happened is, you know, those heavy periods, maybe there's like a pattern going on there that if you treat it at that point, you can regulate the cycle and then they don't have to go on the pill. And then, you know, later on, it's not going to come back when they're then like maybe trying to conceive or something and maybe the period doesn't come back or maybe it does come back and it's super, super heavy and they have to take a day off work or whatever. So... It's um it's more about treating the root cause, really. Yeah. I've been lucky, touch wood, like I haven't had many major health problems in my life. But um yeah, my daughter got ill mm. with like respiratory illness. Yes. Yeah. Um yes, yeah, so that was my first experience really of dealing with this system in regards to like chronic illness. Yes, yeah. And it kind of what struck me was how the system just wants to put you into like a bucket, you know, give you a diagnosis. And then slap that label on you. Yeah, and give you some, and send yeah, you away. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Whereas, yeah, and there's no time for kind of treating the individual or even having someone who just will listen to mm-hmm. what's going on for you. It's yeah. more like, have you? Is it this, 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 or this? Okay, it's this one. Have this set of treatments, and then yeah. off you go and come back in three months, six months, and we'll see how it's going. Mm-hmm. Whereas the kind of Chinese approach seems a lot more holistic. You know, yes. It takes into account a lot more factors about the person's lifestyle. And... Yes, yeah. I mean, we always give like dietary advice and lifestyle advice, and maybe say, but don't eat this or eat more of this, or you know, you know, um, exercise more or go to bed earlier, because we can tell a lot from the tongue and pulse as well but I mean obviously um you know I'm not against western medicine at all obviously I've just had a hip replacement and just been in hospital yeah, being yeah. very well looked after there but um I think it's you know it's complementary isn't it so I mean our NHS is really under-resourced and under understaffed and underfunded um and I think you know that kind of obviously comes through in the consultation I had to wait three years for this operation you know obviously with Covid as well so um, you don't get long with a doctor it's quite quick it's in and out but obviously that's just the way that they have to practice because of the you know the pressure that they're under yeah. but it's really nice to have 
I think, you know, especially for my fertility patients, like um, sometimes because I've been doing this for so long, I might know quite a lot about the procedure that they're going to have. So a lot of them will say, oh, that's so great that I've, you know, I've got the whole hour to talk to you. So normally you'd be like half an hour chatting um, and then, you know, the treatment is normally half an hour as well. So a lot of them have fed back to me that actually it's really nice just to feel supported. And yes, exactly what you said. Someone's got the time for you. Someone's listening to you, you know, and then um, quite often, sometimes I might even help them to like write a list of things that they want to ask or clarify and I might email that to them you know while they're while they've got their needles in so you you've just you've got more time basically and and the whole root of it is to kind of support people so if people are having like western medical treatment it's really to support them as well as a compliment you know rather than sort of um as a complete alternative so yeah yeah and when you're you know, when you're treating someone who's also being treated yes. by like the NHS, for yeah. example, is there? Do you ever like interface with their? Not really. Life? No. Sometimes um, the midwives, but um, it's more that people might show me if they're getting blood work done, so they might show me their like AMH levels, or okay. they'll show me they'll send show me their letters that I might look at someone's scan or something like that. But um, I don't really. Um, it doesn't really go back the other way. Not really. No. And do, yeah. you, do you know of many doctors over here who also practice like acupuncture? There was well, somebody on our, on my course when I was studying, which I thought was really good. And there was a physiotherapist who was also learning acupuncture, which I thought was really good. I've had some doctors who've actually come to me for treatment, um, quite a few, actually. Um, and, you know, it's really nice to see that sort of openness. So um, to see that, you know, it can work both ways. And some, especially midwives seem to be quite open to it because they... They can, especially like the home birth team, they might recommend that a pregnant woman comes before if she's going like a little bit overdue and things like that. So obviously they see on the other side, you know, they see it working. So yeah. I get quite a lot of referrals or people suggesting, midwives maybe suggesting to people that they come and get acupuncture. Um, and some doctors do, but um, you, there's not a kind of like linked up communication, but it would be helpful obviously if there was. So yeah. 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 Learning acupuncture for example seems to be getting more popular yes yeah 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 but do you think there's a danger that like you were saying that like acupuncture gets taken as its own little thing and then separated from all the the rest of the holistic approach that incorporates the herbs and the um, I think that really, you know, when you learn, so if you train in America, you do the herbs as well, you know, so yeah. when, when we're on the sort of um, all worldwide groups on like Facebook, there's an acupuncturist on Facebook group, which has got thousands of people in it, and they're from all over the world, and then sometimes if you post a case on there, you know, the UK, you can see the ones in the UK, because all the ones in America will be starting recommending all these different herbal formulas, have you tried this, have you tried that, and actually we don't get trained in that in the UK so I've just done my herbs course now but I've been meaning to do it for ages you know and I've only just done it now um so it's um I think it's it's a finer distinction you know you should it should all be part of one medicine yes yeah it should be um and in terms of like the medical profession learning acupuncture I think that that is obviously good but then you just have to be a little bit careful sometimes people might do like a weekend course they, right, so yeah. physio might do a weekend course um, and they just kind of learn dry needling techniques which is very different to traditional Chinese medicine so we are learning we spend three years obviously it took me five years but we spend three years 
you know, learning about all the different points. We learn their Chinese names. We learn all the kind of theory behind it and how everything interacts with everything else. There's 365 acupuncture points, main acupuncture points. There's actually more than that. But the main ones, you have to learn all of them. You have to know where they are. You have to know their, their location. You have to know their Chinese name. You have to know their English name. You know, you need to know how to needle them. Some of them are really tiny. It's very, very skilled, basically. And then sometimes you might get somebody who does a physiotherapist who's already working and they might go and do like a weekend course and they do trigger points so they're just needling into the muscle basically to release and it does work but it's not the same as you know what we kind of do which is quite a different approach so because acupuncture is like this ancient thing right they they found needles from like thousands of years ago and obviously it's like a uh, a whole uh, system of thought and theory yes. that's developed over the, all of that time but like what is what is the idea behind uh, like the needles and, and putting them in certain points in yes the yeah so it's all about chi it's all right. about yes yeah, so um you know just as we were going back to your sort of comparison between sort of western and and kind of like you know the sort of chinese view so sometimes i think western medicine and science science doesn't sort of really understand why acupuncture works because you kind of the traditional Chinese acupuncture you have to sort of believe in chi so when we were studying they were a bit like when we were doing the first year they were like right you're just going to have to believe us (laughs) and you're just going to have to make this leap of faith and it might sound like a whole you know it might sound like nonsense but this is actually what's happening here you know you're directing chi so um, it's, it's all around us, you know, we have different types of qi in Chinese medicine, we have like stomach qi, lung qi, we have qi from the air, we have qi from the earth, you know, we, they all have like different qualities, you have kidney qi, liver qi, you know, we have all these different things and they all have different actions, so it's, it's a very, very sophisticated system and as you say, thousands and thousands of years old, nearly got wiped out by Chairman Mao, but you know, they realised that actually it did work, so they kept it. Um, but we could have lost all of that knowledge. I mean it's still relevant today. Some of the herbal texts that I've been studying for my herbs exam are actually like two thousand years old. So you think wow. we had all of that, you know, medicine available like all, you know, so long ago. Um, but when they do kind of Western when they've tried to they've tried to trial acupuncture, do like a scientific trial, so they can see when they're doing like brain scans of people. I'm not sure if they're cat scans or in the other one, but um, they can see that different acupuncture points light up different parts of the brain, but they can't really work out why this is. And then they'll do like a placebo, like putting a needle just in a random place that's not an acupuncture point, and it doesn't have the same effect on the body. So um, it's because obviously we are needling different channels which are correlate to different chi and moving chi and having different effects in the body. So it's like if you see the body as, um, you know, those electrical circuit boards that we did for like GCSEs. I don't right, know if you yes, ever did them. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, plug we, things into you've the little got holes. The little crocodile yeah, yeah, yeah. clips and oh, all yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, so if you think like of, of different wires, so they could be the channels. So say like you might have. Um, like a blue one would be your kidney channel, the red one would be your liver channel. So they've all got different properties, different qualities, different currents that run through your body. So they're always, you've got 12 main meridians. Um, and then the acupuncture points are like the switches, basically, where you can access 
okay. the energy in those channels. So they have different effects. So some of them are tonifying, so they're like boosting. Um, some of them are moving. And then you might use some in conjunction with other ones. So you might use like pairs. You might be opening and closing a channel. Um, so there are all different kind of combinations. And obviously each treatment is different because you know, going back to what we were sort of saying earlier, you treat each person holistically. So no, no three people are the same, you know, so anybody could walk in now, two of them might be similar diagnosis, but you know, everybody's different. So you, you take the consultation, you listen to what they're saying, and then you see the colours in their face and things like that. And then you look at their tongue and you look at their pulse, and that gives you extra information as well. So um, I think, yes, you do have to believe in chi, and I think the best evidence for that is actually when you see it working. So because um, you see that you're so pain is really is really good one because if someone's in pain, you know either it works or it doesn't work. You that, know, yeah, it's pretty clear it's pretty clear yeah. to tell. Yes. So um, so my uh, partner was quite skeptical about all of this, but um, we were meant to be going on a long journey and he couldn't drive. His knee was completely swollen up. I don't know what he'd done to it. So I said, let me do some acupuncture. And because he was in so much pain, he let me do it. And then about an hour later, it's all completely gone. So after that, he was like completely converted. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to ask, yeah, is there like, a, do you notice a difference between people who are like sceptical? Yeah. Do they re- respond less well to the treatment? No, not at all. No, so it no. works even... Yeah. I mean, some people will come. Obviously, I think most people women tend to come more if they realize something's in out of balance you know so they seem to be more sort of aware whereas the men that I see tend to come it's like they've been through xyz they you know they don't want to just be on long-term painkillers maybe like chronic back pain is something that I would see quite a lot with men so I had one patient who was really 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 tall I mean he's like six foot eight or something and um, working, standing up and doing, he used to do like leather work. So he was standing up using sewing machines, quite close, you know, looking quite stooping, basically. A chronic back pain, partly because of his height as well, he was having to, you know, stoop under doorways yeah. and things like that, not comfortable in the bed like a normal bed. It's been going on for 20 years. So I think the longer somebody's had something the longer it takes to go so he came I had to I saw him on and off for maybe about six months with breaks um and it really just really really helped his pain but something like that a chronic pain is not going to go away overnight you know it's going to need because it's been 20 years in the making so it's not just going to disappear from one acupuncture treatment so you would need like a course and then you might have breaks in that so normally you would see somebody like three times so that's like three weeks once a week and then you review it and by that point they should have definitely seen the change um and then you do a treatment plan for them so then you you obviously you don't want them to be coming every week you want them to be better so that they don't need to come every week so you're kind of improving quality of life reducing pain levels um, and then they start to come less often and then in the end they might just come actually when they feel like okay I've had a really long day at work and I'm just going to come as a preventative measure so that's kind of the stage that you really want to get to but somebody with an acute pain so I had um, a woman who had really bad neck pain she couldn't even hardly get on the on the couch yeah. um, and we did some points so you know the whole body this is quite interesting because the whole body is really connected so she couldn't even turn her head she was in agony she never had acupuncture before did all the points and then um, that night she rang me and she'd had quite explosive 
diarrhea so she was like is this normal and it was like in the first year after i'd qualified i was like oh, oh my god i don't know <laughs> and i put on my facebook group this has happened to my patient and they said well what points did you do and one point was a, a large intestine point which was right. deep. so they were like if there's a blockage in one area her neck is gonna there might also be a blockage in another area and then so I rang her the next day and she was completely better, like full rotation, neck was fine, it just completely gone. So it was quite, you know, it's quite amazing sometimes those sort of effects yeah, that you yeah. can have. Yeah, yeah that just made me think of um, treatments I've given to people with massage and when you yes. kind of manipulate certain points in the body, they go, oh, I can feel that in my, like, yes, yeah, you, yeah. you might be working on their calf and yeah. they're like, oh, I can feel that in my mm. neck. They say, is that normal? I don't know. <laughs> no idea why that is. Yes, you just yeah. always say yes. <laughs> and then go away and look it up afterwards. Yes, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. how you learn, really, yeah. isn't it? You learn yeah. from your patients. You learn so much from them. And, you know, you can study all you like, but actually, it's, you know, it's experience, really, that, you know, teaches us most, I think, really. So, yeah. yeah. And so, have you been, like, treating yourself since your. Yes, so I think that's why my recovery is really good this time. So um, I have been needling myself. I've been using um, herbs, Chinese herbs, which have really helped with the swelling. So I'm completely mobile now. I'm off the crutches. You know, I was off the crutches after three days, yeah, which amazing. is really fast. Um, yeah, Chinese herbs, acupuncture. I've been using CBD oil, which mm-hmm. has been really helpful, especially with the sleeping at night um and what else oh, i had a, I've, I've got an infrared heat lamp which we use for in acupuncture treatment sometimes so i've been using that as well so i think that's why my recovery has been so great actually so yeah, yeah. and so it's, it's just effective when you treat yourself as when somebody else treats you're not officially supposed to uh, treat okay. yourself so yes. because you're draw- come back to the chi so you know when you're you're directing the chi with the needle basically yeah. so the chi is all around you know so you don't is the, the the needle is like a tool that sort of enhances that that effect. So um, some people say that if you one there's a problem with diagnosis when you're treating yourself because you can't see yourself clearly. So yeah. you're also told not to treat your own children because you can't really see them because you love them so much. So you can't really see the whole pattern. Um, so there's a chance of misdiagnosis, but obviously I was just doing local points, so that's fine. Right. Um, but yes, you, you are drawing down the chi, the basically. You're not supposed to be using your own chi to heal your chi, really. Right, I see. But, you know, if if I was in pain and I had I had quite a swollen knee, actually, so I did lose quite a lot of points on that. And uh, yeah, and the next day it was all gone. So, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I have a confession to make. I've never had acupuncture. That's okay. We can do a swap. Yeah, yeah. That would be great. Yeah, I would love to. But so I mentioned before we started the interview yes. that I felt like I'd because I'd been reading at this. You know the the main introductory text to like Chinese medicine for Westerners. That's like Kachuk, is it? Or Ted the Kachuk. The web that has no. The web that has no weaver. That's yes. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah great so I've been reading. I'm, yes. I'm about halfway through it. Yeah, it's been um, good. And uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I thought, like, I've been spe- experiencing a lot of anger, like, mm-hmm. quick anger. So I thought maybe I had a gallbladder yes, issue. Yeah, yeah. I've also been experiencing right shoulder pain, which yeah. I believe is connected to yes. the gallbladder. So would that be something? How, how well, obviously you'd need to have a whole consultation. Yes, yeah, we would do a whole consultation, but we would definitely do liver points for that, as I right. kind of mentioned. So each organ in Chinese medicine has, um, you know, an emotion attached to it. So, like, the kidneys are fear, um, and the liver is, like, stress, frustration, rage. 
Um, and then the gallbladder is, is actually the partner of the of the liver. So one you have a yin-yang pair. So the gallbladder channel is one of the longest channels that runs all over the body and actually you know where you're where you've been pointing on your shoulder. Yeah, that yeah. is it right on a gallbladder point. Right. Um, but an imbalance in one can often lead to an imbalance in another. So an indecisiveness in decision making can be quite a gallbladder. Oh, that's me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. not able to <laughs> commit or make a decision or, you know, that's prevaricating. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. all that's full bladder. So obviously we would do a full consultation and we would definitely be needling up here in your shoulder, but we would probably also be doing liver points and then I would be telling you to exercise more and I might um, tell you to eat more sort of liver tonifying foods and things like that as well, So, but we would have to do the whole consultation obviously yeah yeah but um yes for sort of like you know quick temper sometimes it is you know are you getting enough sleep because obviously we all know if you're not getting enough sleep that can make us all ratty i know you've got young children so they can be very so they actually are absorbing your chi as well young children (laughs) yes you might even notice look out for it when you pick them up from school so you can be all blue, blue 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 having a really energetic day you pick them up and then it's like roaring, you just feel this sort of drain. I don't know yeah. if you've ever been aware of it. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously they've been holding themselves <laughs> together at school all day and then they see you and they can just let it all out as well. But they are actually, there's a very close connection between the parent and child and it's a chi exchange as well. So children can draw chi from their parents and obviously we give it to them freely because we love them, but it can drain us a little bit as well. So it would be just kind of talking about all of that whole aspect of your life, like what are you eating? How much are you sleeping? are you exercising enough what does your day look like how could you how could you change things you know what could you do to kind of be less stressed in the first place because I imagine that's what's causing the sort of frustration um is it more to do with like everything that we've been going through and feeling like you know you haven't had enough expansion so it's um it's all related to wood really the good liver and gallbladder that's the sort of element that it goes with and sometimes wood it wants to expand and it wants to move. This oh, is okay. now it's spring. This is the time of the wood. Um, so it's like you know maybe you need to go somewhere where there's loads of open spaces and just kind of like you know spend a long yeah. walking long times on the beach and things like that as well. So okay. yeah, so it's not just the physical aspect. It's like we go into everything that's happening in your life. Wow. And you mentioned like a tongue and yes, like yeah, pulse yeah. and stuff yeah. as well. So yeah. there's like. The diagnostic uh, apparatus for Chinese medicine is, is might seem a bit strange to like someone who's only yes well, we, the we get um, when we're taking the pulse but we actually are feeling well six different pulses but at three different levels so um, each side has a has a um, has you know you have yin and yang and then you have different organs on each side so if somebody gets a cold for example, then their lung pulse pulse might be a bit floating. Um, if somebody's got a lot of damp in their system, then their their spleen pulse will will be sort of like a little bit soggy. You'll be able to feel that it's soggy. If someone's very stressed, then their liver pulse will be really wiry. So you feel the pulse, and then you press down, and so you can feel you're feeling three different organs, but you're also feeling three different levels. So it's quite sophisticated so I'm not like a Chinese pulse master but there are people that I have heard of who you know from China who teach pulse workshops who you know people go up in Chinese students go up there and get their pulse and he was able to tell one woman yes you know I can see you've had a marriage breakup you know this and that and you know just tell so much just from their pulse Um, and the tongue is like 
it's the external of what's happening internally so you we get a lot more clues so most people are forthcoming and forthright and will tell you everything that's happening and normally the tongue and pulse match up but occasionally they don't so I had somebody who was had Bell's palsy which is um you know where half your face is like um becomes paralyzed oh, yeah, 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 yeah so it's quite it's quite um it's quite awful for people to have that, you know. So, but acupuncture is really great at treating that, especially you need to come early, you need to come within three months or as soon as possible when it started to happen. So, this guy, I was treating him and it was getting better, but it was happening really slowly and I was doing everything, I was using like the electric microcurrent machine, everything, doing all the right points and I couldn't work out. And then when I looked at his tongue, I could see so much signs of heat, like his tongue was bright red and it was a bit peeled and I kept asking him these questions and sometimes some people you just have to ask them the right question Mm. and then I was like, and he had a bit of a language, there was a bit of a language barrier there as well but then um, in the end I was like, what about alcohol? And he was like, oh yeah, so he'd been drinking like loads of whiskey at night time basically and that's where all this internal heat which was not helping with his face like so you know then you have to kind of tell people that they've got to sort of stop doing their favorite things to relax but um yes it's internal fire and it was just really prominent on his tongue but when I was doing the the um, consultation with him he never mentioned it because, you know, it's not my normal question, do you, are you drinking, like, you know, five whiskeys every night when you get <laughs> yeah, home from work? But, you know, I do say alcohol or whatever, you know, but he had just hadn't mentioned it. Yeah. So I think he was probably smoking as well. But, um, yeah, so you just sort of have to tell people to kind of stop all these things because the acupuncture will help, but you need to make the changes as well, the lifestyle changes. It's all holistic. So we want you to be as well as you possibly can be. And obviously drinking large amounts of fire fire water and right. smoking is obviously incredibly heating. And if your face is doing something like that, it's a massive clue. Your body's just had enough, basically. So things have gone quite far out of balance at that stage. So for something like that, like Bell's palsy, you would treat that differently depending on the individual, even yes. though like a doctor from the West might say, oh, it's okay, Bell's palsy, we need to do this, 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 yes. you would... Well, they quite stuff. often will say, is it viral? And they might um, prescribe like antibiotics and things like that. There is a specialist clinic um, where they do treat, like they give you special facial exercises. I think sometimes now they're using a bit of Botox and things like that as well. Okay, so, yeah. But obviously, I think what's so bad about that is it's on your face, you yeah. know, and it's very, people feel very, very self-conscious, yeah. you know. So, um, but in Chinese medicine, again, it's like excess or deficiency. So I've treated women who've had it postnatally, like they haven't really been looking after themselves, you know, when they're just looking, focusing on their baby. So that's like more of a deficiency thing. Then this person, obviously, is excess is way too right, much heat, yeah. you know. So again, you need to look at. So we would do quite a lot of local face points, and actually, I treat both sides of the face because you you know you're treating the healthy side as well because that encourages the side that's affected to improve. Um, and then we do lots of body points at the same time. And then sometimes we might use um, electroacupuncture, which is a small machine which stimulates with an electrical current. You hook it up to the needles and it um, stimulates it, basically, and that makes it much stronger as well. So. And, um, yeah, we talked about that um, gallbladder yes. point on the shoulder yeah, yeah. earlier on. That was when I remember from, like, my pregnancy massage training. Yes. There's one you're supposed to avoid, yes. right? Yeah. Like when I did my mm-hmm. uh, course in uh, pregnancy and yeah. for myself. Why is that? Because it's got very strong descending action. So you don't want to, when somebody's about to have their baby, when they're past 40 weeks, yes, you can needle that point. Um, It's a point, I mean, you must feel it in massage. Lots of people get a lot of knots and tension here. 
Um, it's sort of kind of, you know, where the head is joining the body as well. So, and then it comes up, the other bit is around the back here as well. So people, okay. people who get gallbladder headaches, the migraines, it sort of tends to come up here and then it can come around, the gallbladder channel comes around here and it can go into like the eye or one eye, you know, so... Um, Yes, so you don't want to, there are forbidden points in pregnancy, which mm. sounds very exciting. So um, you don't need all these points in any combination with somebody who is um, like, below, you know, under 40 weeks. So I start from week 34. So like if somebody's booked in for, maybe they've got diabetes, for example, something I see quite a lot of now. And they've been told, OK, we want you to deliver by week 39. If you ha if you haven't gone into labour by then, we're going to induce you. Yeah. Most people don't really want to be induced for obvious reasons. So I might start to see them from week 34. And then slowly, slowly, you start to layer up these points, these forbidden points. Okay. So you go quite gently. And one of them is this point here because it's got a very strong descending action. So um, by the time, you know, somebody gets to 41 weeks, if they just come at 41 weeks, they get the full whammy, like you can just go for it and do everything right. um, as long as they're healthy and strong. Um, but yes, you just have to be a little bit careful. So this point is very, it's very descending. So also people have problems with um, breastfeeding, you could get the partner to press there that can help the milk uh, to flow okay, as well. It's the same sort of downward yes, action. Yeah, yes, right. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, you well, you support women through the whole yes. life journey, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you do something called placenta encapsulation. I do, well. yes. Yeah, yes. I've never heard of that before. Yes. So um, the placenta is um, is a very, it's called an extraordinary organ in Chinese medicine. So yeah. it's an extraordinary because it only grows at that time in your life to nourish your baby. So placentas are... Um, they grow in relation to the size of the baby. So I can always tell if someone's had a really big baby because they'll have a really big placenta. Um, and it's a very ancient sort of Chinese remedy where basically, um, you know, most animals will consume their placenta after birth. They eat the whole thing. Um, so placenta encapsulation, basically, you I collect the placenta, I dehydrate, slice it up really thinly, dehydrate it um, and make it into pills. And those pills are full of iron, full of lots of vitamins, lots of stem cells, which help with milk production. Um, and personally, for me, I only did it with my third baby and it just made such a difference to my energy levels. So um, I just felt so much better. And it, they last about six weeks. You take about six a day. They're completely odourless, tasteless. You just, they're like a vitamin pill. Um, and then once they sort of get you to kind of six weeks, which, you know, you know, can be sometimes a bit of a trying time. Yeah. And then hopefully by six weeks, you're feeling a bit better and you right. know you stop bleeding and the baby, hopefully, if you're lucky, is sleeping a bit better and things like that. So um, not always, of course. But um, yeah, so it just really helps with all of that. And what's really interesting for me as an acupuncturist is that the placentas always match the tongues. So if I'm treating a pregnant woman, so sometimes I might see somebody who's trying to conceive, I might support them in their fertility journey, then I support them all the way through their pregnancy, which is just, you know, such an honour and so lovely to be able to do that. So then they'll come for the first 12 weeks of pregnancy, they normally come once a week, then I might just be seeing them in the second trimester just to give them a massage maybe with a little bit of acupuncture as well which is just really nice um, and then they come again towards the end when they're starting to feel really uncomfortable and heavy 
um, and then I might do their placenta as well. So obviously by that point, I've seen their tongue quite a lot yeah, and yeah. you can tell. So if someone's a bit blood deficient, like maybe they're a bit anemic, their tongues will be quite pale and they might be quite thin. And then you look at the placenta and the placenta is very pale as well. You can see someone who's very stressed, their tongue is going to be darker, more purple. Their placenta is going to be much darker colour, maybe with some clots and things like that in it. So it all kind of matches up, you know. So, yeah, that's quite interesting. Yeah. Good look. Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, with my two children, um, me and my partner, our journey was very kind of Western oriented. We didn't mm. really look much beyond that thing. And I think it's very easy to do, right, when you're kind of having your first child to just look to the, the authorities that you know. How do you find women who are open to these approaches, I guess? How do you... How, how do women come to you? Yeah. Do they know, generally know about it already or they um, recommend They're normally by... coming, yes, I get a lot of people word of mouth. So you tend yeah. to get, obviously, people do like antenatal classes or they might do NCT. So one person, so if they're coming, sometimes people might just contact me at 41 weeks and it's the first time I've heard from them and they yeah. say, I'm overdue and I want this baby out and da 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 da. So they come and they might just only have one treatment. Sometimes people may have some another health issue going on, like diabetes or, um, you know, colitis or, um, you know, or they've, they've maybe had a previous C-section and they want to have a VBAC or something like that. So um, they will come because they want pre-birth preparation. Um, sometimes people come because they've got dreadful morning sickness. So I had one lady who was very high powered and she had to keep giving these presentations. It was really like the worst time. Obviously, every pregnancy is a blessing, but it was like for her, it was really intense at work. So I had to go and see that she had to come every time before she had to do a presentation. It was like the only thing stopping her vomiting in a paper bag in Mm. front of like all her executive, (laughs) you know, funders and things like that. So um, it's a variety of reasons. Sometimes people might come with backache, they might come with sciatica. They might just come because they want to have a massage and then they'll be like, well, I'm an acupuncturist as well. Should we just do a few needles because you're saying you're quite tired? Right. They might have insomnia. They might have blood deficiency. I mean, there's so many things like, you know, lovely pregnancy complaints, hemorrhoids, you know, all varicose yeah. veins, you know, any of those things. Yeah. Um, or sometimes they just come because they just want to relax as well. So because it is very relaxing. Most people just go to sleep. And so, yeah, like you said, it is really kind of a very special and like profound time, right? Especially yeah. just the first pregnancy. Yes, yeah. Going on that journey with someone through that. Yeah. Do and you the, find... the second one, sometimes you get somebody who may have had, you know, a completely medicalised first birth, and they're right. like, actually, you know, I didn't go into that prepared. I didn't really know what I was doing. And now I'm pregnant with my second baby. And I know I don't want that again, you yeah. know. So sometimes I support those women as well. So. And, yeah, do you find that at the end of that journey, like, it is that relationship... How do you how involved do you get within your? I get I do get quite involved, yeah. Like so I'm always like hugging people, and they send me pictures of the baby, and sometimes they bring the baby along, and you know they might be passing in the street, and they pop in and things like that. So yeah, it's lovely. It's really amazing to be part of of that journey for somebody. Yeah, I love it. So it's really it's really great. I got into it actually. I was very motivated with the pregnancy stuff that was you know where my passion lied and I love treating pregnant women and then with that came the fertility aspect as well so um, I think that's also really important you're sort of holding space for somebody and you know they've got a safe space to speak about their difficulties and you know what they're sort of going through and you know sometimes people quite a lot of tears and things like that which you know I think is always better out than in you know so um, yes, I mean, that's also, you know, really important work as well and something that I really value. And people 
do trust me and tell me lots of things, you know. So um, that is, I do feel like that's a real privilege, you know, and an honour, really, to be able to support people like that. Yeah, yeah. And now you're kind of, now we've been established here for a while. Yeah, I guess, like, the people, you must bump into people on the street. and. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. How long have you been living in Hackney? Well, I grew up in Hackney. Grew up in Hackney. I'm a Hackney girl. Yes, yeah. yeah. I don't think there's too many of us around. Well, maybe my sister. But um, yeah, so I grew up in E5, which is obviously where we are now, where the clinic is. And um, yeah, I've lived here, went to schools in Hackney. Then I went travelling all over the world. I've been away quite a lot, but I've always come back. Um, and now I live in Walthamstow, which is just down the road, but I'm still in yeah. Hackney all the time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, love Hackney. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, you mentioned sort of spaces just now, healing space. Yes. Do you want to uh, say a bit about what the ethos is or, you know, or even just yes. tell us what kind of what goes on here? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it was important for me to have um, a space for, for healing. You know, as I was saying about the pandemic and everything, it was something that... Um, I felt was much needed so we have um it's grown and it's grown in a way that I didn't really predict in that we have got quite a lot of more sort of spiritual healers here as well which I think is um what makes us a little bit more unusual so we have got um two shamanic healers and also another person training to be a shamanic healer we've got lots of massage therapists obviously of which mm-hmm. which you are one we've got three acupuncturists um, we've got Reiki practitioners, we've got excellent podiatrist, she's really busy, um, and then we've got a sound healer, we've just got somebody else who's going to be doing sort of energy healing, um, so we've got quite a you know, eclectic mix of people offering lots of different things, and actually, you know, we've got reflexologists, um, but we've got two reflexologists, three I think now actually, yes, yeah, we've got craniosacral therapists, so we've got lots and lots of different therapies here for everybody but I think the kind of um it's really interesting and nice to be able to have the sort of like shamanic aspect and the the reiki and all of that sort of side to it as well so yeah so everybody who works here I feel is um you know they're all hand-picked so they're all really lovely so I meet them all in person um and they all have to give me a practice treatment just that I can feel confident that they know what they're doing and then you kind of get the vibe from them about how they're feeling um, and I feel that everybody works really well together you know and I feel it's very important to me that it's a supportive working environment that all the therapists feel supported um, and I feel that transfers into their treatments as well so we've got western herbalists we've got nutritionists we've got um, homeopaths you know we've got a lot of naturopaths we've got all different types of therapists here really so which is great. Yeah it's like I'm new to the know to the world so I don't know the, the landscape that well but it seems to me like it's quite unique to mm. have that breadth of yes. treatments and modalities under one like mm. umbrella yeah and to have that community where all those therapists are you know rubbing up against each other yeah and sharing stuff and learning from each other yes, it's quite yeah. a special thing. I think it's I do encourage people to do swaps quite a lot as well because I feel like for the therapists to do swaps with each other because yeah. then we all get to experience each other's treatments and then you know if somebody's coming and they might say 
oh, I'm having trouble, you know, um, with my shoulder or whatever. So I sometimes might get a referral from a massage therapist or sometimes I might send somebody to a massage therapist or I might say, actually, you know, have you tried a shamanic healing? Maybe they've had a really bad breakup with somebody mm. or something like that. So it's really, um, it's important to me that we all work together as a team. Um, and I feel that that does transfer into, you know, the treatments that people give here. So, yeah, so just to sort of serve the local community, really, and help people with things that they're going through. It's, you know, it's it's, um, it's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was saying to Ursula last night, um, for the listeners, Ursula is a shamanic healer here. Um, and she does Reiki and reflexology as well. Um yeah, we did a swap yesterday. Yeah. Um, I, I got a, an energy healing from her, which was really profound. In terms of, I felt, definitely felt like something moved Shifted. in me. Yeah, yes. yeah. Like yeah, I said yeah. to you, my sleep was really strange last night. And I had really crazy dreams. Mm-hmm. And felt, I, I sweated a lot. Um, but yeah, as I was leaving here yesterday when we were talking about this place, and uh, I said to her, like, I feel really lucky to have found this place when I did it, like that stage in my journey. I'm not sure I would have, well, my transition into becoming a massage therapist would have been a lot more difficult if mm, I hadn't. Yeah. I'm mean, not even sure I would have stuck at it, you know. Yes, yeah, yes. So, you just got to go for it. I think, yeah. you know, once you qualify, you've just, you've just got to dive in. And yeah. it, the longer that you leave it, the more the kind of like fear builds up, doesn't it? So it's just, you just got to go straight, straight into it, really. Yes, yeah. But I do feel like it's quite supportive and, you know, everyone's quite open for swaps and sort of advice and things like that as well. So, yes. Yeah, quite important. Yeah. And then we see different people coming for different treatments as well, which is quite nice. So people might come for a massage, but then they might end up, you know, booking a sound healing as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and if this podcast continues, then um, I, I want to have conversations yes, with you know, great. Yeah. as many people here as I can. That would be great. But yeah, I do really feel privileged to be included in this community. Yeah. Well, we're very happy to, to have you. We're really happy to have you, Jamie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, I'd, and I would like to get you back as well, if, okay. we, if we continue this, to have more, like, drill into some of, because you've covered such a wide, yes, we talk <laughs> such a, a broad yes. area. No, well, no, you cover such, like, a lot of different modalities, and your knowledge is expansive. It would be great to kind of have a more focused conversation yes. around Any some of time. these things. Yes. Um, but, yeah, but thank you. That's all right. For, it's been my pleasure, yeah. And, um yeah, I'll, I'll probably see you at the school gates I'll see you, where we see both you drop off our children. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see you later today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, thank you, Tara. Thank you. That was my initial conversation with Tara Rivera-Zea. I'm sure there'll be more. We skated over a lot of the issues that um, are very important to Tara there, like women's health and um, Chinese medicine. I'm sure we'll go deeper into those topics in future. On the subject of Chinese medicine, Tara said to me after the recording had finished that one thing she'd wished she'd said uh, was that one of the main differences between Chinese medicine and Western medicine was that in Chinese medicine there is no mind-body split. We mentioned the book The Web That Has No Weaver by Ted J. Kapchuk. Here's a little extract from that that goes into the main difference. I think it's quite a nice summary. Biomedicine, a more accurate name for Western medicine, is primarily concerned with isolable disease categories or agents of disease, which it zeroes in on, isolates, and tries to change, control, or destroy. An ontologically circumscribed entity is the privileged ideal of the system. The Western physician starts with a symptom, 
than searches for the underlying mechanism, a precise cause for a specific disease. The disease may affect various parts of the body, but it is a relatively well-defined, self-contained phenomenon. Precise diagnosis frames an exact, quantifiable description of a narrow area. The physician's logic is analytic, cutting through the accumulation of bodily phenomena like a surgeon's scalpel to isolate one single entity or cause. The Chinese physician, in contrast, directs his or her attention to the complete physiological and psychological individual. All relevant information, including the symptom as well as the patient's other general characteristics, is gathered and woven together until it forms what Chinese medicine calls a pattern of disharmony. This pattern of disharmony describes a situation of imbalance in a patient's body. Oriental diagnostic technique does not turn up a specific disease entity or a precise cause, but renders an almost poetic yet workable description of a whole person. The question of cause and effect is always secondary to the overall pattern. One does not ask what X is causing Y, but rather what is the relationship between X and Y. The Chinese are interested in discerning the relationships in human activities occurring at the same time. The logic of Chinese medicine is organismic or synthetic, attempting to organize symptoms and signs into understandable configurations. The total configurations, the patterns of disharmony, provide the framework for treatment. The therapy then attempts to bring the configuration into balance, to restore harmony to the individual. That's nice, isn't it? I think that's the key sort of difference between what Capture calls there the biomedical approach and holistic approaches in general. I, for one, am a firm adherent of the idea that a human being is comprised of body, mind and spirit, and you can't separate these things. When a person is ill, body, spirit and mind are affected, and the path to health has to take into account body, mind and spirit too. But these issues will doubtless crop up in future conversations. For now, um, I need to get this podcast finished. It's more than 12 days since I recorded that conversation and I've been prevaricating. Maybe when I get my gallbladder issues sorted out, there will be more decisiveness, more determination. Um, But for now, all that's left to do is acknowledge that the music for this episode was provided by Nihilor, who is one of the very kind artists on Bandcamp who let you use their music free. Thank you for that. Uh, Until next time, may you be well.